Welcome back to another episode of Growth Marketers Podcast. I'm Samuel Timothy. And I am Taylor Rowe. Uh, today's episode, uh, we talked about budgeting uh, for uh, 2022 or you know, putting together your marketing budgets. And to be honest, it's probably about three podcasts in one. Uh, we got into a ton of uh, different topics here, but I think really good topics around um, what we see in the industry, in the B2B space, um, specifically dove into the manufacturing space uh, and what we see companies doing right, uh, what we see companies doing wrong, uh, and how you as a, as a manufacturing uh, leader, as a, an executive, as a marketing leader, um, how you can go about putting some budgets together uh, in a systematic way, in a scientific way that can ultimately help you reach your, your growth goals. So uh, hopefully you enjoy the episode. Please give us a like, give us a subscribe, and uh, let's dive right in. So Taylor, I know usually between you know Q3, Q4, we have a lot of conversation with uh, leadership within the organizations that uh, are very proactive about their business, proactive about their growth, uh, discussing around what to do in terms of investing into their future, uh, inf- investing into the upcoming year in terms of the marketing and things of that nature. So we have a lot of those conversations all the time uh, with business leaders, but we still keep uh, getting the same question over and over again. How much should we invest into marketing? How much should we invest into our, our uh, you know, from a marketing standpoint for an organization that's in a growth mode. Um, so we want to use this opportunity to kind of address those questions and see if we can shed some light on um, what business leaders need to think as they're planning for the future. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, and like you said, this is this is something, a question um, that, you know, since the beginning of uh, marketing, right? It's like, how much do we spend on marketing? Uh, a lot of companies look at it in terms of like their, percentage of their revenue, right? Um, which makes sense when you're you know, a business owner, you're looking at uh, our total revenue and then you break down you know, your budgets and it's all broken down by percentage, right? How much do we spend on overhead? How much do we spend on uh, you know, labor? How much do we spend on marketing? How much do we spend on new, you know, whatever sort of uh, big capital expenditures you have in terms of equipment, all those kind of things. Um, and so that makes sense. Uh, so we looked up you know, some, some stats around, you know, what uh, U.S. Small Business Administration recommends. Um, you know, other companies that have done a lot of studies on basically averages of what companies spend. Uh, and so we'll walk through some of these stats, and then we'll kind of get into our thoughts on on how we go around budget planning and what steps we take. Um, so the first one from uh, U.S. Small Business Administration uh, says about seven. Um, they recommend about seven to eight percent of your gross revenue for marketing and advertising. Um, and this is based on uh, companies doing five to ten million dollars in in sales. So uh, there's one stat there. Uh, another study that we looked at from HubSpot um, recommended uh, that specifically around manufacturing, obviously looking in B2B space, um, manufacturers typically spend around seven percent, six point nine percent of their annual budget, uh, or only two point seven percent of their annual revenue on marketing. So that one's a little bit different. They're looking at, you know, 7% of your total budget of what you're spending, uh, which comes out to less than 3% of their uh, total revenue. So that doesn't surprise me if you look at, you know, that comparison of all, you know, small businesses, B2B businesses spending 8% of gross revenue and manufacturing industry spending 3%. Um, that's not surprising at all. We we see, we work with a lot of manufacturing companies, you know, there a lot of times they're, 
little bit uh, conservative when it comes to their their marketing spend, um, and so we we see that happen. Um, I also think you know you have to kind of take into account of uh, basically how how easy it is for you to get new customers or retain customers, right? A lot of manufacturing companies a little bit old school, a little bit behind the times when it comes to getting new customers, but their customers stay along you know around for a long time. So. Uh, I think they have that advantage and they don't have to spend as much in order to just kind of maintain that status quo, which a lot of times, you know, change can become scary, right? So increasing that marketing investment uh, is seemed seemed as a risk to them, right? Uh, but in that same study, we did see that um, those stats were from 2019 before COVID. Um, and then actually after COVID, um, they, that, spend increase from 2.7% of total revenue to around 5% of total revenue. Um, so I think that's a little bit promising. Obviously people are, you know, manufacturing companies are investing more into digital marketing as, you know, traditional trade shows, uh, traditional marketing events have, uh, obviously declined and, you know, gone away in, in a lot of cases, uh, because of COVID. And so I think manufacturing companies are starting to catch on to this idea of spending more uh, on digital marketing uh, in order to get in front of their ideal customers. Um, what are your thoughts on those stats? Do those numbers seem low to you, high to you, uh, based on you know the companies that we work with? Yeah, and I think, <clears throat> I mean, that seems to be from pretty much every article that we've looked at, that's about the average that uh, everyone reports. But I think it also kind of uh, is a reflection of how uh, organizations sees marketing, right? If they do perceive it as an investment in the organization that it is going to add to their top line growth, it's also going to help help them uh, establish themselves as a leader in the space, right? Building a strong brand presence. Then those organizations probably are yeah. on the higher end of the spectrum of that spend. And then I think the ones that I just, they just think, okay, we need to have a budget for marketing. So we're just going to take a small percentage of our revenue and put that toward marketing. That also reflects in the way that they, you know, you know, they consider marketing, right? Because if, when you when you talked about COVID, I was thinking many of the companies that actually did not value marketing probably cut marketing as their first uh, first budget to cut uh, when yeah. they were probably cutting things, right? Because they're like, yeah, let's cut marketing. We don't need that. You know, we need to keep our employees. We got to keep our lights on. Let's cut yeah. marketing. And I think that shows up in, you know, how the company perceives marketing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's a couple of things within that, like you said, of, of how companies perceive marketing, um, especially within the manufacturing space. What, what I've noticed and what we've seen is there's a lot of companies that are successful in spite of bad marketing. Right. And so they may be spending only 2% or 3% of their revenue on marketing, uh, but it's not really netting anything for them. And so they're, you know, $10 million, $20 million. I mean, we've worked with $100 million companies that really either spend nothing on marketing or the marketing that they're doing is not true growth marketing in the sense of like, there's no focus around acquiring new customers. It's kind of just, well, we have to, we have to advertise in this industry publication. We have to go to this trade show. We have to be listed on, you know, Thomas net or whatever that may be just because that's, you know, that's what we do, right? It's just the way it is. This is what we do. All our competitors are there. We go to these trade shows because our customers are there and we wine and dine them. And like that's the extent of their marketing. And so 
when they cut that spend, like you said, when times get tough, we cut that spend. They don't really see an impact on their business because it was never really driving new business in the first place. And so then we start to get a little bit, you know, complacent or we misread that in the sense of, you know, we don't have to spend any marketing dollars on marketing because that's not the way we acquire customers. But it's always a bit of a catch-22 of that's not the way you acquire customers or that's not the way your customers find you because you're, you've never done it properly, right? It does not mean that your ideal customer or your total addressable market isn't bigger than what you think it is and that they're not influenced by marketing, right? Mm-hmm. So one thing I thought was interesting in that same study that talked about, you know, Yes, manufacturing companies are behind the times. They're increasing their marketing spend from, you know, three percent to five percent to seven percent of their their gross revenue. Um, but why and how do we again? How do we justify that if we're if we're a ten million dollar company and we've been spending you know one percent or two percent of our uh, revenue on marketing? How do we how do we justify an increase when it's not really driving revenue? Well, you have to look at your customers and who they are. In that same study we saw there was 80, like a couple, I'm just going to rattle through these stats because there's quite a few, but 84% of engineers consume content digitally. 71% of industrial buyers look at fewer than five suppliers before making a decision. Buyers uh, spend just 17% of their time meeting with suppliers. Five to 6% of that time is spent with one sales rep. 73% of buyers say they pay attention to your website first. 73% of buyers look at your website first. 53% of buyers expect a response to their inquiry within 24 hours. So you look at all that, right? 84% of engineers are consuming content digitally. You know, 73% of them admitted that they look at the website first before they do anything. They're reaching out to, I think it would be a handful of suppliers, five suppliers, um, you know, this study is saying, hey, that's a relatively small number, which means, hey, you got to you have to throw your hat in the ring. Right. So that idea of we're just going to do, you know, the, the status quo and like we're, you know, we're suppliers for this industry. There's 50 of us. Everyone sends out a quote and we, you know, send our RFQ back and hopefully we can, um, you know, we can win the deal. That's not really the case. They're spending a little bit more time doing research. They're looking online, right, to consume that content. They're looking at your website first, and they're going to reach out to a handful of people, and they want to. They expect a quick response to their inquiry, and ultimately, that sales process is is relatively quick. So, yes, you can sit there and say, we don't, we don't, our customers don't, you know, come to our website. They don't fill out the forms. That's not how we get customers. But it's because you're not, you're not even playing the same game, right? You're not even in the conversation because all of this is happening and they're reaching out to three or four of your competitors and they're never reaching out to you because they can't find you because you're not investing into the marketing um, that you need to be. So all that to say is that there certainly is some trends in the industry by buyers uh, that are shifting towards this digital consumption of information. And so the question is, as a manufacturing company, are you going to adapt to that trend by your buyers? Or are you going to stick with the old ways and try to force them to, uh, you know, accommodate your sales funnel, so to speak? Yeah. And I think, you know, many of those things that you've just identified, right? So I think traditionally, um, most of these companies, like you said, maybe are doing marketing, but not the right, you know, right, you know, they're not playing the right right type of right type of games. Typically, that means that they probably just spend money on, you know, brochures, maybe some promotional products. And go into those trade shows and maybe buying an ad on their 
uh, industry journal. So those things, you know, does have value in, you know, they, they do have values, but, but at the same time, they probably are not where your ideal customers are consuming content or actively engaging, sure. you know, uh, their suppliers, prospective suppliers. So that also means that they're probably missing the boat in terms of reaching those right people. And then when they do cancel those things, they really didn't see right. much change in their overall uh, exposure or the number of leads that generated from whatever they were doing before. Yeah. So I think it goes back to what you said earlier. It's it's really a change of perception uh, when it comes to marketing. It's like we're, we weren't spending any money or we're spending a little bit of money, uh, but you can't you can't extrapolate that number, right? Of like, well, we spent, uh, you know, $1,000 or $10,000 or $20,000, whatever that number is. And here's all the new customers we we brought on because those are two separate things. The customers you bring on are not really because of those, you know, marketing initiatives that you're doing because admittedly those marketing initiatives were basically just to, to save face in front of your existing customers. So just kind of going through the motions there. So we, we've looked at a couple of different things when it comes to uh, percentages and, and how much you can spend and what the averages are in the industry. Uh, so Sam, what would you say, I guess, walk us through your process when it comes to, you know, we're working with a company who's posed this question to us. How do we, how do we establish a marketing budget? What should our marketing budget be for 2022? What is this, what are the steps that we take in order to determine what that looks like? Yeah, I think the, the first thing, first order of business is first and foremost, making sure that they understand and, uh, value marketing as an investment, not as an expense, right? So uh, I think we have to get that mindset fixed first, uh, even though that seems very simple and obvious. But I think if they don't have the mindset, marketing is an investment, they will always try to find uh, find a way to cut cut that budget, right? So that'll be the, the first order of business that you have to do. The second thing I think you have to address, to address is the growth stage of the company. So if you are a hyper growth company, you're in a stage where you are you need to cons- you know consistently find ways to reach new customers and continue to add top line revenue, and get as much of the market, um, you know, market share as possible. Then you need to be investing according to that growth, not according to just your top line revenue from your prior year, right? Uh, and if you are also, let's just say, if you're an established company, you, what you're looking for consistent growth, then you need to uh, invest according to that uh, company size and the and the growth that you're expecting to have uh, in the coming year. So the growth stage of the organization does matter. The other thing would be just the industry trend that you're perceiving. So if you're seeing a lot of drastic changes in the industry, whether it be some sort of a regulation that's going to affect uh, how you do business or how you sell your product uh, or any of those things that might affect um, you know, what, what you do today, or you're seeing maybe major players are acquiring uh, other, other, other competitors that you have and they're growing at a faster pace than you can keep up with, then you probably need to think about ways to increase your investment into marketing to make sure that you are, um, you know, growing your uh, market share, the audience that actually know that you exist, right? So that you're uh, investing according to that. So, and then the last thing that I would say is essentially really understanding your sales funnel and what it actually um, takes to drive that sales funnel. Meaning, uh, how many leads do we need to have in the sales funnel to reach our revenue target? How many of those? Um, what's an hour, What is our our closing percentages? What is our average deal size? What our lifetime value per customer? So knowing those metrics would help you determine how much should you be investing into to that uh, to building up that sales funnel. For what I mean is, uh, if you actually know your lifetime value of a customer and your average order size, uh, and then you know your growth targets, uh, then you can say, okay, 
Uh, and then if you also know your cost of acquisition of that customer, then you can actually start to do some math, figuring out, okay, if, I, if our average cost per acquisition is $2,500 or $5,000, and our growth goal is a certain dollar amount, right? let's say a million or two million, whatever that dollar amount is, then you have to do a multiple of whatever that uh, cost of acquisition times the number of customer it would take uh, to reach that revenue target and then invest according to that uh, into, your, into your company's marketing. So those are some of high level things that I would recommend uh, we look at uh, as a company, right? When you're planning your marketing budget uh, for the com- coming year. Sure. Yeah, I think that's a great, uh, great process to go through. And, and really, whenever we get asked that question, it's almost like we have to, you know, start asking questions back, right? Because I, I don't think it's as simple as if you're in X industry, you need to spend, you know, 3% of your revenue or 10% of your revenue on, on marketing. I think you made a couple of good points about kind of the growth stage, where you're at, the size of the company, how much you want to grow and really understanding and knowing your metrics and your funnel. Um, that piece, I believe a lot of companies um, underestimate their actual cost of acquisition, right? Because they don't take into account the entire sales process. They don't take into account their overhead in terms of you know, their internal marketing employees, their internal sales employees, whatever that quoting process. I mean, we work with a lot of manufacturing companies that there's you know full-time sales reps and then they have you know marketing and then an outside marketing agency. And then in order to quote, they have to work with uh, engineers and you know do some sort of uh, you know, mock-ups or product design, and they spend a lot of time on like R and D, and then put the quote together. And it's a it's a very involved process uh, in order to just send out you know a quote. And then on top of that, you know, maybe only ten percent of those quotes turn into customers. And so we look at them. You do the math, and you just say how much did we spend on marketing and outside expenses? You know, we spent money on Google Ads or this trade show. And then how many new leads do we get or how many new customers do we get? And we do the math that way on the cost per lead or cost per acquisition. We don't account for any of those other um, variables and factors. So knowing your numbers, I think is really important. And once you know those numbers, then as I mentioned, you kind of have to start asking these questions instead of how much should I spend on marketing? It's, well, how many new clients are we looking to bring on in you know 2022, right? Uh, what is the lifetime value of those customers? And start asking yourself, basically, how much can I afford to spend? Regardless of your cost of acquisition today, what like what's the ceiling on that? How much can we afford to spend to acquire a customer that will still be profitable? And how do we want to measure that? Are we looking at first order size? Um, are we looking at, at you know annual value? Are we looking at a three-year or five-year window? Um, depends on your business model, right? Are you in a recurring revenue type? business? Um, or are you in a, you know, one-off project? Uh, how big are those projects? How do they typically, how do customers typically work with you, right? If you're in a manufacturing space, maybe they come in and they, they do, it's a $10,000 or $5,000 deal. And maybe it costs you $5,000 to acquire that customer. And you might look at it and say, Hey, this isn't sustainable, but maybe that $5,000 deal is just the entryway into that, you know, customer and you prove your value to them. You do everything that you always say of, hey, we have great customer experience, fast turnaround time, quality products. And then next week they come back and order another 5,000 or you know, maybe next, maybe this is just a test. They're doing a prototype and then next year they order 200,000. So you, I like to look at it in terms of like that, that lifetime value of the customer um, and maybe look at that of like a five-year window if, if that's your business model, right? If clients stay with you for five years, how does that look? And then start asking yourself, how much can we afford to spend in order to reach our, our revenue goals? 
Um, so those are the type of questions you have to start asking. Uh, how much does it cost, like you said, right now to acquire a customer? And then how much, how much do we want to make next year? So that's the other piece of the the problem when it comes to oh, we spend five percent of our you know gross revenue. Well, five percent of your gross revenue today, right? Or five percent of your gross revenue last year. Well, how much do we want to be next year? Uh, and what percentage growth is that for you as a company? Which is another big question that people, um, you know, I think forget. It's a much, much different. If we're talking about, hey, let's let's add a million dollars in new revenue. Well, if you're a $10 million company and you're adding a million dollars in revenue, it's much different than a $3 million company that's trying to go from three to 4 million, right? That's a big jump in their percentage compared to a 10 million or a hundred million. If you're a hundred million dollar company, and you increase your marketing and you grew by, you know, 3%, like that's a huge growth in revenue. Whereas if you're a million dollar company, go by 3%, you're probably going to lose money because you spent so much more trying to grow. Right. So those are the questions you have to ask. And for me that my, my favorite way to do that would be based on the cost of acquisition, right? Basically, if you're unfamiliar, the cost of acquisition is just your total spend, your total spend on marketing. I would also include sales in that marketing and sales divided by the number of new customers, right? So if you're a manufacturing company, let's say you went to four trade shows, um, you know, between the, uh, the travel, the, the exhibits, the trade shows, the, um, you know, the time that you spent there, all those kind of things, meals, uh, let's say you spent $20,000 each on those trade shows, which is a pretty conservative estimate, honestly, um, four trade shows, $20,000 is $80,000 in marketing. Let's say you got six new customers from that. Okay. So just on that simple math is $13,300, 13.3,000 in cost of acquisition. So for every $13,000 we spend, we got a new customer. Those other questions we're asking, well, what is the average contract value? <clears throat> so let's just assume in this scenario that those, each of those customers uh, on average is about a hundred thousand in annual revenue. That means we spend 13,300. We brought on $100,000 in revenue. If the average client stays five years, now that $13,000 spends returns us uh, $500,000 in revenue. So if we look at those same numbers, based on what we said, it's like, okay, now if I want to grow, take that cost of acquisition and multiply by the number of new clients that I want to bring on. So if I want to bring on 10 new customers for a million dollars in revenue, right? 100,000 times 10 then I would need to spend $133,000 on marketing. So $133,000 to get that million dollars in return. <clears throat> so again, that's regardless of you know, your total revenue as an organization, you're only spending to acquire the additional customers, right? So you're not spending marketing typically on the, addition, on the current. So if you look at that, I mean, that's 13% you know, of a million dollars is $133,000 in order to get there. And then the other thing is like, okay, if we want to get an additional 10 customers, because a lot of times we're already getting, what we're doing is we're already getting those six customers from those trade shows. Now, how do we get an additional million dollars in growth? Well, now we need to spend $213,000 on marketing based on those, those cost of acquisition numbers. So you look at that and then you start at, you know, then you can start asking those questions of, is that sustainable for us? Um, are there even more trade shows for us to go to, right? Did we already pick those top four trade shows? We're getting those costs and we got six new customers. Can, is that scalable, right? If we want to double that, can we go to eight trade shows? Like where are those trade shows? 
are our customers there? Are we going to get another six new customers? So this is just to kind of get the framework around how much you're spending currently on your cost of acquisition. And then you start looking at, is there a more scalable, more effective way to do that? And at what point does a volume help that, right? So you look at your website and the same as that trade show is like, we spend the money on the trade show. There's, you know, thousand people there. Only 10 of them are, you know, actually had quality conversations and maybe one of them turned out to be a customer. You look at your website in the same, you could do that in the same scenario. It's like, how many people do we have to get to our website in order to get a lead? How many leads do we have to get in order to get a customer? And how much will it cost us to get those people to our website and start kind of through that, that funnel? Uh, a trade show doesn't work that way, right? Like there's, it's pretty impossible for that trade show to, if it had a thousand people out of before next year, is not going to have 10,000 people to it, right? It doesn't, doesn't typically happen that way. So those aren't usually scalable ways where you can just keep pumping more into it at volume in order to lower that cost of acquisition, but your website, your marketing, your online, you know, marketing collateral and assets that is scalable because you only spend it for it essentially one time. And then every time more people come to the website, we continue to, to reap the benefits. So for me, I think those costs of acquisition costs go down at volume only through digital versus traditional efforts. Hey, thanks for listening. Solomon here. Are you frustrated because you're not getting enough inbound leads? You're worried that the leads that you're getting are not qualified, or maybe you're disappointed in the conversion rate from the leads to customers, right? It's really, really low. Well, I got good news for you. I talk to business owners every single day. You're not alone, all right? Businesses go through this when there is a lack of strategy sometimes, uh, maybe the approach isn't appropriate for your situation, or sometimes you got all of those things right, but it was just poor execution. I'll tell you what, head over to oneims.com and fill out one of our forms, talk to one of our consultants. That's all we do. We talk to business owners day in and day out. Share with us your challenges and see if we're a fit, right? See if we can find you a solution to your growing pains. You know, our hope here at OneIMS and especially with this podcast is to give you the tools, the technology, the ideas, the strategies, everything we possibly can for you to succeed. All right, so thank you for listening and let's get back to our topic for the day. Yeah, and one thing I would add to that is, you know, basically you gave the math of uh, assuming that you acquired six customers, uh, which it would be, you know, it'd be awesome if you went to four trade shows and you walk away with six customers and each yeah. one is 100,000 and lifetime value of half a million dollars is amazing. But oftentimes what you typically walk away with business cards. So if you just look at the business cards as a lead, let's just say you got 50 business cards at each of those shows that are reasonably quality conversations. You take those 80,000 divided by the, the, yeah. the 200 and now you end up with $400 per lead, right? So the in the same scenario, even if you haven't closed them, you just spend $400 to get a business card. So you right. also need to look at that cost per lead side as well, right? Maybe they don't all convert into a sale. And then now you have to justify, hey, if I'm, if I'm spending $400 at a trade show to get a one business card, how much am I willing to, to actually invest without ever having to get out of my office? Can I drive more contacts and leads at a much cost per lead or a cost per form fill? Uh, and I think right. you could do that much more efficiently with digital than you could ever uh, with any sort of virtual event or live events. 
Right. And that's where, again, I think a lot of companies are underestimating the cost of acquisition because they don't account for exactly what you just talked about. Uh, they don't account for the actual sales velocity or that sales cycle length. Uh, and so, you know, those six, you know, those, like you said, 10 business cards or 10 leads that you got, right? Leads that you got from that uh, trade show. Yeah. If you're just looking at getting those people's email addresses, I mean, you could buy, you know, Zoom info or any of those kind of tools and, uh, and get those email addresses for a couple bucks versus $400 or a thousand dollars or whatever it really costs you to get that. And then if it takes you six months or sometimes six years to close that business, how much is that costing you too? Mm -hmm. Right? So if there's a more efficient way to market at scale and then only handle higher quality leads, even if they cost you the same amount, just for the sake of the argument, even if it costs you that same amount and those leads close much faster because they're ready to purchase because you've done a better job with your marketing, your website, your marketing, your videos, that part does that nurturing for you. And the actual time that it takes from initial contact, working with the sales reps, get a quote, get them to sign a contract is shorter. I mean, that ROI is infinite because now you're getting time back, right? Um, so to me, a lot of times companies don't account for that sales velocity as a part of their their ROI or their cost of acquisition. Uh, and I think that's a huge mistake. Yeah. And the one other thing that I thought about too is, you know, you've mentioned earlier, you know, the stats that you read off, like 76% of the people go look at your website, you know, and only about 13% even that 13% of their time spend talking to a, a customer uh, to a, a you know a vendor or supplier and more about three percent of that actually is with one vendor or something right you had some of those metrics so and then I forgot some of the other met metrics that you had in terms of how you know how early they were starting that journey or the research uh, how much time they were actually doing all of those planning and researching and learning right reading content so if you think about it then what you're actually seeing is Google essentially is the biggest trade show floor and maybe even LinkedIn and then probably even YouTube, right? Think about those as, as trade show yeah, floors. The internet have, in general. Right? Yeah, you have opportunity to be creating information, making it available for people uh, in their uh, buying journey to go consume that and, and actually make that purchase decision while you're you know, while you're doing whatever else that you might be doing on your sales and marketing initiative. So from that perspective alone, I think just investing into digital channels to create content, make yourself um, the go-to place for information and education, um, that would drive tremendous amount of inquiries and leads um, at a much lower cost per lead and, and hopefully at a much lower cost per acquisition as well. Right. Yeah. And I mean, there's so many factors. I think we said at the beginning is like, when you're looking at it from the wrong perspective, you're it's you're playing the wrong game, and you're it's always going to be hard for you to wrap your head around how this shift in marketing is going to have an impact because you're so used to it's a, I mean it's a different customer base, right? If you're talking about this traditional method, trade shows, those type of think about the people that are going to trade shows, right, to still find new vendors, new suppliers that they're the late adopters, right? Because they're not the ones that are online consuming content, all those kind of things. Like they might be, but we, we looked at like the 83% of, you know, engineers. We talk about a younger generation of engineers that's coming up, starting to get into leadership positions, shaking, you know, shaking things up, right? When it comes to uh, purchase decisions. So those old school relationship, you know, uh, trade show customers, like they also are going to take longer to make a purchase decision because they're already admittedly the late adopters are the ones still going to trade shows. So like 
it's a completely different customer base that you're going after. Uh, and so you have to adapt a lot of different strategies. Your marketing has to change. Your sales process has to change because you're, you're talking to different people, right? Um, and so one thing I wanted to look at just based on that, that old model that we talked about of like a percentage of existing, you know, gross revenue. Um, I think a lot of companies are underestimating their cost of acquisition. I also think a lot of companies are underestimating, uh, or sorry, uh, underspending depending on the size of the company. And I think smaller companies may be overspending depending on the size of the company because they're underestimating their cost of acquisition. So just a couple of, of numbers, right? If we're looking at, you know, round numbers here, $10 million company, uh, manufacturing company, we said, you know, the average was anywhere from three to 8% of gross revenue. So the high end of that 8% of 10 million is $800,000 in marketing. Uh, you and I both know a lot of manufacturing companies in that 10 million to even a hundred million dollar range that are not spending $800,000 on their marketing. Um, maybe they're getting closer to that number if you start accounting for the actual cost of acquisition. Like I said, companies are underestimating that. The time that they're spending on sales, the sales velocity, all those kind of things. Um, they're spending engineers times. So you take a percentage of that engineer salary, how much their time but really they're not. I mean, a lot of companies are not spending anywhere near that. And as a $10 million company, I don't know that you need to spend $800,000 in marketing if you're doing it the, the right way. Um, but when you're not spending that amount of money and you then go ask, Hey, I think we need to spend $200,000 on marketing. Uh, and you know, everything you've done before was internal. So you're not correctly calculating that cost of acquisition. It seems like a big number. So we look at the low end of that 3% is 300,000, right? And so I think this is probably more realistic for what I see in the industry. So I agree with this stat of how much companies are actually spending on their marketing. Uh, when, when again, when you calculate the cost of acquisition correctly. So $300,000, again, when you account for trade shows, engineers time, a lot of time we don't have true sales reps. If we do, uh, we might have a couple of outside sales reps, you know, maybe we have to buying them vehicles, cars, all these expenses, right? So um, phone bills, all those sorts of things. I think that's probably closer to 300,000, but I think we get our hands tied so much by those internal kind of basically overhead uh, that we're not truly investing $300,000 again into like like real acquisition strategies. Um, so that those are those numbers. If you're a $10 million company, anywhere from 300 to 800,000 in, in marketing, uh, spend if you follow that model. Uh, the biggest problem I see, I think that's okay for those companies because I think there's enough there that you can get creative with the spend. The problem that I see is with the smaller manufacturing companies, uh, you see this a lot with SaaS companies. Um, back to your point about like, what growth stage are you in? Because if you're a $2 million company and you're looking at, well, we'll spend 3% of our gross revenue, that's only 60,000. $2 million company, you say, okay, we'll spend 5% of our gross revenue, that's only a hundred thousand, right? In reality, what we see, especially with these high growth companies, these SaaS companies, you know, this is why they go out and raise outside capital because they're trying to get to a goal, right? So if we're 2 million and we want to get to 3 million, like that number we looked at earlier of like, how much do you spend for new marketing before 2 million? And we only want to spend 3% of our marketing. That's $60,000. But what they do is they hire three SDRs, you know, sales development reps, two account executives, 
we have a marketing person, probably a marketing agency. We're investing into collateral. We're doing webinars, trainings. We're creating a bunch of eBooks. We're trying to fill our salespeople's pipelines, right? With high volume of leads, which requires a lot of SDRs to follow up, you know, like crazy on these ebook downloads and webinar attendees. Um, we're spending, you know, you've seen, right? We're, we're mailing people um, actual physical, you know, gifts to try to get them to book a meeting. We're buying them lunch to listen to a demo, whatever we can to fill our pipeline of, you know, vanity metrics, essentially. And we're investing heavily into a bunch of technology, right? So we have, you know, sales outreach and cadence tools. Uh, we have data collection tools, uh, data enrichment tools. We have all the mark MarTech in the book. Um, we have CRM investment. We probably have a, some sort of administrator for the CRM and the, the marketing, uh, you know, operations and marketing tech. And so you look at all that and that's, we haven't even talked about promoting any content or anything along those lines in terms of marketing. We're just talking about our infrastructure, so to speak. So that overhead cost is way more than if we're a $2 million company and that's a structure, which is only five employees, right? And probably an agency that's sales and marketing. This is where I think a lot of companies are overspending on the wrong efforts uh, because they're following that old kind of waterfall method of we need a thousand leads to turn into, you know, 50 opportunities to close, you know, 1% of those. And it's like, that is not going to be scalable because you're going to continue to overspend on all of this uh, cost of acquisition that you're not calculating correct. Yeah. I mean, that's a, <clears throat> I think the, the, the dichotomy here is if you're, if you're in the smaller, you know, sector, right. And from a revenue standpoint, I think your growth stage need to determine how much you would invest. Uh, and I'm, I'm all about that. But I think if you're in that middle stage you talked about, maybe you're in a mid-market company, maybe not, you know, there's still a small company. If you're talking about manufacturing companies doing $10 million and you have a lot of infrastructure, warehouse, equipments, all of those things still need to be added add to that. I think at that level, your growth really need to determine how much you're properly investing into the growth. And like you said, if you have two or three internal marketing people and the salespeople and you do trade shows, you probably are getting there, but you're probably still underspending because you, you're just you know, investing yep. into just headcount and maybe some tactics that you just believe is working, but not necessarily really as efficient or effective as some of the things that we've just talked about here. Mm -hmm. All right. So the key, key takeaway, I think if you're listening to this and you didn't, you know, didn't get the answer you were looking for, uh, I think that that is the answer. There's no blanket statement. There's no one size fits all. The answer is you have to really know your numbers, know your company, know your business, know your numbers, know your customers and then make the decision based on based, based on the, the delta, right? Based on where you want to be, where, what that changes and what percentage of that can we afford to spend in order to acquire customers. So you really have to know your lifetime value of your customer uh, in order to confidently make that decision of, you know, we're willing to spend, you know, 10% of that, you know, acquisition cost on that, you know, annual contract value or whatever that is. Um, obviously, high, high growth companies, uh, tech companies, you know, outside investments, whatever they can, they can afford to spend more on that. Um, as you know, you see that we talked about, you know, Amazon and Uber and those type of companies all the time. It's like who can spend the most to acquire customers for the longest time. They're going to win in the long run, but you have cash flow considerations to make. Um, and I think that's why it's so much harder for, these older manufacturing companies um, because they never, they've always done it. They've never raised outside capital. Only loans they've taken out was for 
purchase of a building or purchase of equipment. It was much more straightforward ROI calculations, much easier, easier to understand. Um, and so the idea of, you know, slimming up our, our margins in the short term in order to win in the long term uh, is kind of foreign idea because, you know, we've always had X percent of, you know, profitability. Uh, I don't want to cut into that, right? Because as a, the owner of the, the business or a senior leadership, that directly impacts my my income, you know, earning capabilities, right? Whereas these high growth, you know, outside capital investment companies, uh, they're, you know, so they're spending house money, right? So they're not positive. And like that idea within uh, like Silicon Valley, like type of companies is like, they don't, no one expects to be cash flow positive for, you know, five years, 10 years or whatever that number is. A lot of times these companies are selling for, you know, 10 X multiples of their revenue and there's never been profitable a day in their life. Right. But everyone's still getting paid. Um, so I think you, again, you just have to know your numbers and know your industry to know how that works. Uh, I'm not suggesting to do that as a manufacturing company because, uh, you, you have a lot more overhead and expenses. You're, you're walking on a, a higher wire there when it comes to, you know, that, that risk. So just know your numbers, uh, know your true cost of acquisition, set some targets for what that cost of acquisition should be or what you can afford it to be. And then do the math based on the, that Delta, again, that growth that you want to see over the next 12 to 18 months. And that should give you some idea of how much you might have to spend and how, how in line or in the same vein is your new expenditure with your current cost of acquisition. So that goes back to what we were talking about with those trade shows of, you know, if we're, what we're really spending now, are we really acquiring customers? Is that going to translate that same cost of acquisition towards digital or is the goal to now lower that? Right. So we reallocate those budgets, we reshuffle and, you know, uh, shift our, the way that our team is structured internally and then truly spend that same amount of money that we were spending on digital channels and see what could happen there. So it's not always about spending more. It could be about reallocating some of those funds um, that you weren't really accounting correctly for. All right. Well, hopefully you, uh, you learned something today. Um, if uh, you have any thoughts on how your company does uh, their budgeting that may be different than ours, um, we'd love to hear that. Uh, and if you want to kind of understand how you can do this for you, your company, you have a hard time doing these calculations uh, because, again, it's not always as black and white as, as we make it seem here. So uh, always feel free to reach out to us. We'd love to meet with you personally and, and help you make sense of all this. So uh, please, if you enjoyed the podcast, give us a like, subscribe, uh, share with a friend, share with a colleague. And uh, of course, tune in uh, for the next episode. All right, so if you enjoyed this episode, here are five things that you could do to help us. Number one, make sure you click that subscribe button so you never miss another show. Number two, share this with a friend that you know needed to hear this. And three, leave us a comment. We love hearing your thoughts, your ideas, things that you've learned so others can learn from you. And four, if you have a topic that you'd like us to cover, let us know so we can put that in our notes and share our insight all right, for our next episode or the one after that. And finally, you guys, join other growth marketers. Head over to oneims.com and check out all the resources that we have made just for you. I'm talking guides, webinars, blogs, videos, anything that could help you become a growth marketer. All right. So thanks a lot for joining us this week on the Growth Marketers Podcast, and I will see you next time.